For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. So many sports are in full swing right now, so there's no better time to get into sports betting than this very second. Go to Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbooks experts. <laughs> and hello everybody and welcome to a brand new edition of the believe in clippers podcast right here on the believe podcast network i'm your host jesse cass and really excited to have you here for what is a fantastic episode coming up we've got a great special guest charles smith former nine-year nba veteran he began his career with the clippers had some outstanding seasons even making a little bit of a playoff run in the early 90s before spending some time on those great 1990s New York Knicks teams. Charles is here to talk about his time with the Clippers and break down, of course, the current year's edition of the Clippers and everything to do with this year's ball club. So some really good stuff coming up with Charles. Before we get there, I want to let you know if you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple and we're available wherever you get your podcasts. Clippers are rolling right now. They're 17-3 and in their last 20 games. Played an ugly one against the Houston Rockets after... A long stretch of games where, you know, maybe a little bit of fatigue setting in, but a game the Clippers were able to hang on to and win. So sometimes you have to win ugly. We've seen a lot of pretty wins and fun wins despite being shorthanded. While the health isn't quite there for the Clippers yet, the level of play has been really high. And the schedule in terms of some days off really starts to ease up for the Clippers. So we'll see if they can take advantage of that health-wise. Uh, but right now, it reflected in the record, they're winning, and winning a, a lot of basketball games right on the heels of Phoenix for that two spot, and they play Phoenix again this upcoming week. So a lot of exciting stuff going on with Clippers basketball, with Paul George continuing to, to be dominant. Uh, so that, we talk about everything with that in between the Clippers and their championship hopes with Charles Smith. So without further ado, here he is, Charles Smith on the Believe in Clippers podcast, right here on the Believe Podcast Network. Right, we're now joined on the Believe in Clippers podcast by our guest, former nine-year NBA veteran, Charles Smith. Charles, thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, thanks. Glad to be here. This is definitely uh, one of the shows that I uh, wanted to be on because I haven't talked Clipper basketball in a very long time. Yeah, and of course, you uh, entered the league as a Clipper back in the, the 1988-89 season, you know, came into the league with a bang. Uh, that's kind of, yeah, the first place I wanted to start. Obviously, the organization back then was, was much different than it is now. You did get a taste of the playoffs with the Clippers in your time there, but uh, just how much have you seen this organization change from, from when you came into the league to, to what they are now? Wow. Well, you know what? It's, it's, it's two different organizations. Uh, you, you almost can't even compare them um, other than the fact that they're in the same city, <laughs> but uh, I mean, from top to bottom uh, management ownership, uh, fan base, crowd, arena. I mean, it's, it's just two different programs. Uh, it's, it's hard to even compare. 
Yeah. And what was it like for you playing in your time? So you mentioned that you guys did have some success getting into that playoff series in, in, in the early nineties and, uh, you know, had some very good players in your team, but what was that like, uh, you know, coming into the league and playing with the Clippers? Well, you know what, coming into the league and playing for the Clippers was tough because, uh, you know, it was such a losing organization, uh, but to scrap and fight and management begin to turn things around the best way that they could. It was a very, I mean, it's a moment that I'll never forget in my life, making the playoffs for the first time in 17 years uh, when I was there. And that's number 17. I never forgot that. Um, that shows how much of an impact it was uh, because we tried year after year. And uh, I think that was the team with uh, Doc Rivers and Ron Harper came to the club and we finally made the playoffs and we made the playoffs uh, against Utah. Yeah. And uh, it was during the time to riots. Um, and uh, we had Utah and uh, uh, we were up by a significant amount. I remember at halftime in game five, uh, because then, you know, you had the first series that were five games. Yeah. And we had them by a significant amount at halftime in the uh, third period. I remember Ron Harper cursing one of the refs out, and it just went downhill for a course <laughs> right then, and then they beat us in the fifth game. But uh, it was an exciting series, and that was the turnaround for management, for the uh, fan base. Um, it was a, it was a great time. It was a great moment in my uh, sports life. Yeah, and and obviously now we know that the expectations. You said basically two different programs, as you said now, but um, you know a, a very disappointing and to their postseason last year. Uh, what have you seen from this year's edition of the team uh, and how much you've been able to catch up with them? Obviously, they're hot right now. They're, they've won 17 out of their last 20 games. Uh, what have you seen from them recently? Well, you know, um, I'll digress for one quick second and talk about the years with Doc. Yeah. Uh, you know, I played with Doc in uh, San Antonio, L.A., and New York. Yeah. Um, so we were teammates there. And... Um, I knew once the Clippers got Doc that he was going to be able to turn that program around because of how he was as a teammate. Um, he was always very knowledgeable. He always knew how to deal with the press, and he was always a, a great teammate. So, And he had already won a championship with the Celtics, so he had everything going. So I got a chance to watch that. And then um, the team now, you know, with the players that they have, and they got, you know, Tyrone Lou now, who was a former player. So they got the right chemistry. They got a really good ball club. Um, they got good leadership. Uh, Paul George has been on a tear. Um, everyone knows he's always been a great player. Um, so they got a good nucleus. And, um, you know, there's always going to be change in all programs. Things don't normally stay the same anyway. But the changes that were made at the ball club were very significant. Um, they were tough decisions, and it's working out for them. So um, it's great that they're in a position that they're in, and it's uh, awesome to see them play. Yeah, no, that was a, a obviously a difficult and, and tough decision for the Clippers this past offseason because, like you said, Doc Rivers, not only so influential as a coach, but as a person for this organization, you know, he guided them through so much through, you know, when the Donald Sterling stuff broke out, and he was kind of the, the guiding force behind that. So I think – you know, everyone in, in, in Clipper fandom and nation is very appreciative of Doc Rivers. But, you know, maybe do you think there's a time for a coach where sometimes for maybe both parties, it's just time to 
you know, make a change? Because Doc's obviously doing very well in Philadelphia now in, in his new role there. Well, you know what? It was it was tough. You know, the 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 key is uh, today is, you know, and it's unfortunate. I think most head coaches um, have to be uh, more experienced and have the more emotional capital um, to make the right connections with his players. Um, it's, it's very important for, to, for a head coach to have the proper effective communication with the players. And the players have to be very comfortable with the head coach. The X's and O's, uh, it's great if a head coach has it, but it's more important on the assistant side now to contribute in that area. It's a different time. It's a different era. Um, unfortunately, money makes you smart. So the player with the most, the biggest contract is the captain. Uh, it's been like that for a while, but even more prevalent now. So the top players and the coach, they have to have a strong relationship. There's got to be a bond there yeah. or it's not going to work. And that's across the league. It's unfortunate, but that's where the game is. Yeah. And, and I'm curious, just because you obviously played on some really great teams with, a, you know, with the Knicks in the, in the early 90s. Uh, you know, got had deep playoff runs and, you know, some really tough heartbreaking finishes. I just, I'm curious, how did you guys respond year after year? You know, the Clippers coming off their really tough playoffs last year to bounce back and, and get in that mindset to start the next year fresh and, and be able to come back strong. You know, it's the leadership that makes that happen. Um, one, you have to have a, a good coaching staff that's respected that can drive that, but also you have to have the right, leadership with the team. Um, I felt with the Knicks, we had some really great leaders, not just one, not just two, we had a few. Um, we had a few with experience as well. You had, for the Knicks, we had Rolanda Blackman, we had Derek Harper, we had Doc Rivers. You know, Patrick obviously uh, was a great leader and led by example. Uh, Oak has been in the playoffs. So we had a lot of guys who've been in the playoffs. So that made it more it made it easier because you didn't have to push us as much. We knew all we had to do is know what the game plan was and go execute. Uh, and we wanted it better. So for players to bounce back, you know, you don't get that chance to go to the finals. Even the conference finals is not that easy. And it doesn't come year after year. Not everybody can create a dynasty. However, the fact that you have leadership on the team, that's respected. And that leader on the team has got to be a vocal leader as well to pull the troops and get them to understand what we need to do, get them to understand that person as a leader, what they're projecting and why they need to do it and get everybody to buy in. He's an extension of the coach. When you have that, teams will bounce back. Yeah. And, and you know, for the Clippers, it's interesting because they obviously have a couple of guys who are great at, at leading by example and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. We know that was a talk of, or a point of discussion is the leadership of this team. You know, they made out, they went out and made the move for Rajon Rondo at the, at the trade deadline. How much do you think that helps with their leadership? And, and who do you see as kind of the leaders on this year's edition of the Clippers? Well, you know, it's, it's always going to be the guys who've gone into the playoffs and, and won. But here's an issue, uh, Jess. Um, you, you, can, you can lead by example, but that's not good enough. Um, if you are the guy on the team, and you're only leading by example, it's not going to be enough because you might say things that you don't realize is disruptive 
and can cause conflict within the team and nobody will say nothing about it because you're the top guy in the team yeah. by example so you have to have uh, verbal skills you have to have the ability to have that effective communication i'll say it over and over again because it's like this um when you think about this when you don't have hard conversations with someone you're destined for a negative impact right yeah. so if that leader on the team doesn't doesn't lead verbally and he's not having the hard conversations with the players there you're both left to think negative thoughts over a period of time but if you have the hard conversation you have to give yourself an opportunity for a positive impact so without having those communications it could be the difference between wins and losses or key plays in the game so having rajan rondo uh as a leader who i've seen him develop and grow from his experience with Dallas, what he's done with LA, with the Lakers. Yeah. Now he's in position to be more of a verbal leader as well as lead by example. So they needed someone like him and others. Yeah. And I think, you know, one, one moment this season that really stood out to me that kind of sparked this great stretch of basketball that we've seen over the past month and a half was a game against Atlanta in the past homestand. Clippers are down 22, not really playing with the, the right effort that they needed. And, uh, you know, Tyron Luke pulled out the entire starting lineup, brought the bench in. Those guys played hard and they ended up coming back and winning that game. You're talking about those, you know, big moments, tough accountability moments. It seemed like that was one of them. And that kind of gave the team a jolt and, and they've kind of haven't looked back since. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, clearly um, you can't take off any plays. Yeah. And, and you see that happen. Um, you see a player here or a player there not giving maximum effort at certain points in the game. Star players uh, can get away with doing that uh, because they can do something phenomenal on one end of the floor, defense or offensive end, and propel the team. But when you have a few guys each night and they're taking off plays, you know, like the Atlanta game, that tends to be contagious. And they don't play hard, but throwing the bench in and they're hungry and they want to prove themselves. If you look at that game, they're not taking off any plays. They're, they're going that extra effort for the steal. They're going the extra effort for to keep the uh, offensive guy in front of them or to get that block or their rebound. They're going the extra effort because, one, they're hungry. They want to prove themselves and they wanted it. And, yeah. yes, when you got a bench like that, that comes in and they get their confidence that they can do it and the coach knows they can do it and they did it, that tells the starters and everybody else, hey, we got to step it up. Because in the game of basketball, it's a short-lived career and somebody's always coming after your minutes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Always>. <laughs> no question. And uh, it's funny, I feel like, you know, that game in particular, like we said, kind of propelled things, but it's allowed, I think, like you mentioned, the confidence to grow for, for some of these guys where we've seen around the league, especially but for the Clippers injuries kind of pile up. So even when they've had one or two or three guys out of the lineup, we've seen other guys step up and, and really be able to contribute and help them win some games that, you know, they probably didn't have any business winning. Right. Right. Yeah. That, uh, that always infuses uh, some positive energy in the team and uh, kind of tightens them up, which is good. And it bonds the team as well, because, you know, when you go a whole season and you're playing eight guys, nine guys, and that 10th through 15th never play at all, they become forgotten. Yeah. You know, I, I always say that 
the, the winning teams respect the 14th and 15th man just as much as they respect the first and second guy on the team. And when you look at all the championship ball clubs, that's what happened. They became a bond and everybody was respected. And somehow along the way, be it through play, be it through a leader that, that pulls that 15th guy into the mix. You know, a lot of teams, the 15th guy never goes to breakfast, lunch, or dinner with the starters. They're just forgotten. They do their own thing. But the real true leaders on teams that pull everybody together grabs those guys at the end of the bench and makes them a part of the team and gives them the voice and the respect that they deserve as well. Yeah, that's something that I think has been really noticeable this season. You know, it, it of course happened at times last year. They still had a great overall year last year before the, mm-hmm. the playoffs. But I think you can really tell that the chemistry, I think, has taken a step forward with with things like you mentioned. You know, you can see on the bench the the veterans talking to the young guys, player number one through player, you know, 15, even guys coming in on 10-day contracts, seeming yeah. like they're part of the group right away. So I think on that point, uh, it seems like, from that end of things, the Clippers have had a good year with, with their chemistry. Yeah, it is chemistry and culture. When you go deep into the playoffs, it's the chemistry and culture that will prevail. You know, and it every single championship team, what do they say? One through 15, we were a team. Everybody contributed. Yeah. We pulled everybody in. So along the way, and I think, you know, look, I played for Larry Brown, Pat Riley, Greg Popovich, um, and these were all great leaders. And I can't you know, exclude even back in the day, Gene Shue, Mike Schuler, and Don Nelson. But these guys were all leaders and they were winners, but they all had a different element. And what I just said is about, about pulling the whole team together. I think Greg Popovich and Pat Riley were the best at. I've seen them do things to pull the team together and create a winning culture for a team to feel bonded to go out and win every night. And they knew they had a chance to win. Yeah, I mean, that's, I don't think anyone would argue with you there in terms of, of those guys and some of the best coaches of all time and, and their ability to connect like that. Um, what was that like for you to play with those guys during that time and, and to see, you know, both of them go forward and continue to to keep winning and, and coaching? Obviously, Riley now as an executive and Greg Popovich continuing to do it as a coach. Well, they're different. The, those two gentlemen, um, they both want to win, but they're different in style. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I would say Pat Riley is more, I'll give you an example. If you took the starters and, and Pat Riley and Greg Popovich said, hey, guys, look out that window and tell me what you see. Uh, and they report and they, they're standing there and they talk to Pat Riley and say, this is what they saw. Pat Riley might say, uh, you didn't see this? Oh, come on, guys. This is <laughs> what it is. And this is how it is where Greg Popovich would say, you know what? I like what you guys see. I see this too. Let's try to combine it and make it work. So one more of a kind of a dictator style and the other one kind of is a participative style, grabs all information and uses it. So both winning in their own right, but definitely different styles. We've all had our bad experiences with sunglasses. Some that don't fit well, some that break easily. It's time to make your outdoor experiences better with Kanan. Kanan sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, and stronger. And Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code KananCast15 at Kanan.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. Kanan. 
clearly better. You mentioned earlier that Paul George has been on a tear lately, uh, you know, throwing up multiple 30-point games and really kind of hitting his stride after struggling with that toe injury for a little bit. But what have you seen from him this year in general that has allowed him to be so successful? We know he's such a talented player, but it seems like he's really in a groove and playing some of his best basketball in his career. You know, um, not knowing Paul George, never having a conversation with him and just observing um, his play, he seems more focused. And sometimes a star or a superstar player needs a little motivation um, and needs it, you know, for his own self. And I think because he didn't have a great playoff uh, um, last year and he's on the team now, he has his contract, he's motivated internally to prove to himself more so than others that he deserves to be in the conversation with the top guys in the league. And in order for him to do that, he's doing what he needs to do right now, carry it into the playoffs and push the Clippers as far as they can go to the conference finals, uh, maybe to the finals overall. That's what he needs to do. And he's got motivation for it. Uh, he's got motivation. He's got focus. I, I know he got married and that can settle a guy down, not to hang out as much. Uh, you still got to punch your club card in with your teammates and do things with them. But, <laughs> you know, you, you kind of get settled in. He's old enough now. He's mature enough. He's focused. I love watching him play. And when he, he is playing his best basketball. And I can I wish him the best. I, I, will, I want the Clippers to get to the finals because it would be great. It would be great for the, the city, the ball club. And then it justifies the changes that they made, the gut-wrenching, hard changes that they made. They'll become justified. Yeah. And, you know, the Western Conference, I mean, historically has always been really tough in terms of the playoff race. You know, the Clippers right now are right in that mix for, you know, they're in the three spot right now. They could move up to two or one. Right. But regardless, uh, where do you see them in, in the Western Conference playoff picture? We know the Lakers, you know, when they're healthy, of course, are the, are the defending champs. But, uh, you know, what do you see as far as their chances going forward of, of getting to that Western Conference finals or, you know, the finals if, if, if they can get that far? Well, here's the key. That I, that I see, this is my personal opinion with the Clippers. Yeah. They're not going to get to the finals unless their culture, their communication, and their bond within the ball club. I'm not even talking about Tyrone Lewis as a coach. Unless those top guys are gelled and clicking, it's like a marriage. It's like communication with your spouse. You got to be on point with each other. You got to know each other. Because at that time, when you got to make that extra effort. You're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for the team as well. You can't even, you don't have a split second to think about it. So they need to bond. They need to be closer. They need to know who's going to take the, the, that shot and win. And the other guy's got to be comfortable with it and support and still go bored and do the things, not see a guy take the shot and the other person just like, oh, and not do anything. Have confidence in that guy when he takes that shot and, and then go immediately go to rebound and support him in what's going to happen. They just have to be a tighter knit bond. They got the talent, but they're going to have to be a tighter knit bond to go to the finals. Yeah. And, and I think one thing that, you know, maybe overlooked from last year's playoff run, which of course we know is disappointing, but you know, that was the first year together for this group. And yeah. obviously that could be something where, you know, talking about that familiarity and that bond where you don't really know the tendencies of the guy next to you. And, and this year, obviously having at least, 
one more year under your belt, maybe that's something that, uh, you know, they have be- a better experience with going forward for this year's playoffs. Right, right. They're going to, they're going to need that. But um, I would say just the fact that they have the time together, you got to go deeper. You, you got to yeah. have significant quality time together to talk about their differences, to have those conversations about who's going to do what. I mean, we did that with the Knicks when we went to the finals. Um, we know who was going to do what at which time. You know, look, I went from scoring 20 points a game with the Clippers to going to New York, taking the ball out of my hand, not being able to dribble it, um, <laughs> and, you know, and, and being a third wheel and sometimes a fourth wheel and getting my shots and scoring on my own. Um, that takes sacrifice, but you got to accept it. So they have to accept their roles. They have to understand the goal is to win it all. And you're going to have to make those sacrifices for your players and your teammates. to do that. Yeah. And obviously the playoffs are a different game than the regular season, but at least so far, I think, you know, we've seen that extra pass, that trust, you know, guys being able to hit big shots and, and know their roles, like we said. And we've even, we've even heard Marcus Morris talk about, you know, everyone on this team knows their defined role. They're happy in it. They're starring in it. So, you know, if those things can continue, that that should bode well for the playoffs. But, uh, you know, that, of course, you know, remains to be seen. Yeah, and, and it will. It will do well in the playoffs. They just have to keep, you know, priming that pump. They just have to keep, you know, doing what they're doing and get greater at it. And, you know, just another way to explain it is let's say the Clippers do, they play a game and 80% of their game on how they play together is on point, 80% of it. Well, that 20%, they need to live in that margin, that margin of error, because if you can move the needle in that 20% range, you've just propelled the company, I'm saying the company, you propelled the, (laughs) the organization, the ball club ahead a lot further. And if you can, you know, really move in that 20%. And that's what they need to do. Yeah. And I think, again, that goes to the point of what we talked about with, with leadership and maybe just a little bit more kind of directional playmaking with, with Rajon Rondo, like we said, of someone who's who's been through it, who's won in multiple circumstances where, you know, in those moments of adversity, someone who can kind of calm things down and, and direct traffic, if you would, and, and help the team in that way. Right. And if they can trust Rondo and he's, uh, you know, giving them the right uh, leadership, through example, by example, and verbally, then they can do it. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I use the term effective communication because that's what I do in corporate. And I see how companies increase their bottom line by effective communication. In sports, that could be the difference between wins and losses. You know, um, Harvard Business Review did this study where 73% of employees don't trust their boss. If the team doesn't trust Rondo as a leader, or Paul George, or Kawhi, they don't trust him as a leader. The rest of the team, you got a problem. You got to diagnose and you got to figure that out because once that's the bomb we're talking about. Once that connection is made, sky's the limit. Everybody's play, confidence just goes, you know, leaps and bounds, it just grows. Yeah, and and like we said, we've seen a lot of people step up despite all the injuries for the Clippers. When they are at full strength and when the playoffs begin, uh, that's going to be a tough decision or tough decisions for, for Tyrone Liu in terms of the rotation that you have going forward in the playoffs. Um, for guys that have been playing all year, who do you see kind of making this rotation? We've seen mentioned Rondo, of course, Reggie Jackson has played really well. Patrick Beverly will come back and he's the, normally the starting point guard. 
you know, you have, you have Zubats playing starting center effectively well and Sergi Baca coming back. So there's a lot of decisions there for Tyron Lou. Who do you see kind of being the core rotation in the playoffs? You know, other than, you know, Paul, Kawhi, and, yeah. you know, maybe Serge, you know, it's about chemistry going into the playoffs. And, and so Tyrone Lou will look at all the film and his staff will look at all the film. They'll look at games during the season. And it's a chemistry um, decision more so than a player decision. Because again, look at what we're talking about, that bond. It, it, it really comes down to which six, seven, eight guys mesh together and maximize the plays and understands what to do out there on the floor. So players can be interchangeable. You know, you can, during the season, you can move guys in and out because of injuries, this and that, but it's chemistry going into the playoffs. So you got your main guys. Those other guys are going to be the puzzle pieces for that chemistry. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think, as we said, I think it's going to be a really exciting finish for the Clippers, and, and we'll see if they can get it together this year. Uh, before we let you go, obviously, we know that, you know, fans are starting to, to come back into the arenas. Um, you know, that is something obviously different that, that no one has been has dealt with, you know, in your time up to now. But what do you think it's been like for these players to play in these empty arenas or arenas now with a couple thousand fans and kind of adjust their game with, you know, di different circumstances around them in the world? Well, you know, I said this early on when we first started that uh, the level of play will not go down. Uh, and it won't go down because as a, as a professional athlete, you've been trained to compete against that guy of fortune, against that team you're going against. Um, you know, they talk about the fans being the sixth man. Well, there's still five guys on the floor that got to compete. It's great to have yeah. that sixth man in the fans but if you don't have them, you're still competing. That's why when you look at the season without a lot of fans in there, the play did not go down. Guys are still competing. You're seeing all the, you know, miraculous plays by uh, different, different uh, players throughout the league. You see teams uh, getting better even during this time, like Charlotte. Um, yeah. So the play and the competitive nature of the players is not going to change. When the fans come back in, what's going to change is the enthusiasm in the arena and the enthusiasm with the players playing because they're, again, the sixth man is back. So there's the energy of the crowd. There's the, the celebration after you hit that next play that energizes you to play defense and do something else. All of those things are emotional and they come back into um, the arenas. But as far as the guys, they've been playing – tremendous and I've loved watching all the NBA games yeah and it's funny to that point you know I was listening to to an interview with a, with Julius Randall of the Knicks the other day and they, they were asking him about the fans and he was saying that you know the 2000 Madison Square Garden sounded like a packed house to him so I you know I can imagine that like you said it's the players on the floor but especially as we go towards the playoffs there could be games where that energy and enthusiasm uh, you know, for the Clippers in their arena could could help them, you know, maybe have that little extra drive to to come out with a tough game. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and um, what Julius Randle said, so I went back-to-back -back, uh, when the Knicks beat Toronto and the L.A. Lakers. Um, yeah. And, right, there were 2,000, whatever, in the arena, and they were loud. You know, you could hear them on the floor. <laughs> Not as loud as maybe he said a packed house because 
I know what that really sounds like. But he <laughs> you've, can got, still, you've got first-hand experience. He can still hear them. And when you're chanting his name and saying MVP and all that stuff, it energizes you. It, it picks you up. And, and that's what that's what's happening. And that's what happens. So he's right in that aspect. And, you know, the, the league needs the fans. They need them back in the arena. The fans need the team. That's their connection. That's their outlet. So once the fans start to flood the arenas again and we get back to that, we're going to see that energy level and that sound level and everybody kind of uh, the, the, the fans getting off, the players play, the players getting off of the fans' noise, and it's going to be magical again. Well, we're looking forward to that. Obviously, fans, uh, Clippers just had their first game with fans the other day and will have, you know, in limited capacity for the rest of the season as well. So hopefully that helps them going forward. Charles, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate the time and, and all the insight about the Clippers and the NBA in general. And I uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Hey, man, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Haven't been a part of Clipper Nation in a long time. Clipper fans, love you guys. And thanks just for having me on. Huge thank you once again to Charles Smith for taking the time to come on the show. And a big thanks to you out there listening as well for, for tuning us in here on the Believe Podcast Network. Know if you enjoy the show, as we said at the top, you can rate, review, and subscribe. We're available wherever you find your podcasts and, of course, at Believe.com. Uh, with all of that said, Clippers, as we mentioned, rolling along right now. They are 43-19, and 19, winners of their last four. And as we said, 17 of their last 20. They hit that 40 before 20 marker and are just a half game behind Phoenix for the two seed uh, and two and a half back still of the one seed. So everything's still in play for the Clippers, who, of course, will hope to get healthy. We know, of course, Patrick Beverly still with some more extended time coming back from that hand fracture. Kawhi Leonard, we'll see if he can get back into the fold. They kind of shut him down for about a week to make sure that foot soreness doesn't develop into anything further, but doesn't seem too serious. The More of a precautionary measure there, but of course... Uh, you know, everyone back at some point would be would be nice for the Clippers. Serge Ibaka played some four on four, so he's finally progressing from the back injury. And we'll see what the Clippers will ultimately look like at full strength. There'll be a lot of decisions as we mentioned in that talk with Charles for for Tyron Lue, especially going into that playoff rotation. But so far, so good. Clippers playing some of the best basketball of the year and right in the mix for those two or even one seeds in the West Coast Conference. So that'll do it for this week's edition of the Believe in Clippers podcast. Again, a big thanks to Charles Smith for coming on the show. And thanks to you for coming on and listening to us here on the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network and the only place to show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? Go Clips. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.